Hello everyone. Welcome to Switchcraft, a fingerboard podcast. My name is Jana, and this time I'm sitting here over the internet with Mallory. Hi everyone, it's Mallory Curtis, and I'm the owner of Unique Decks. Yeah, and that's partly what I want to talk to you about. But before we get to the actual company, um, let's first start talking a bit about you. So, um, how old are you and when did you discover fingerboarding? Uh, I am 24 years old. Kind of crazy that I'm that old at this point. Um, <laughs> and I started fingerboarding when I was 13, 12, 13, when I was in sixth grade. Um, so it's been quite a while now. And do you remember how you got into fingerboarding? I do. Um, me and my friend, uh, we went to Target and there used to be a thing we would do. We would just go to Target and find like random, random things to buy with like our $20 or whatever. Um, and she went to the tech deck section and I had never had a tech deck before. And I saw one that had, um, the, the graphic said, curtain 15 and that's really close to my last name and mm -hmm. 15 was my number from playing sports so i was just like oh my god i have to get this um and me and this friend we we skateboarded together and um yeah and i i guess i just had never um looked at tech decks as like I'd never seen anyone with the tech deck before. Mm -hmm. And so when I got the tech deck, I didn't know that like you could do tricks or anything like that. It was more just, um, I like the graphic. And then maybe a month later, uh, I was sitting at home bored and it was sitting on my desk. I was like, you know what? It'd be so cool if you could Ollie on this, but I, I really didn't think it was possible. So I just like went on YouTube and searched like how to Ollie on a tech deck. And that's when my mind was blown seeing Gary Chin's tutorials, uh, weak fingers on YouTube. So I saw that you can do literally every trick on a skateboard that you can do. Uh, you can do every trick on a skateboard on a fingerboard. And that was just so insane to me. So that night I spent about two hours uh, trying to Ollie. And when I finally did it, um, I like ran downstairs so excited to show my parents and then I couldn't do it again. Um, <laughs> but like from that moment forward, I was just like, so, so obsessed with like figuring it out. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's just that obsession has kind of never stopped. And at that point you already knew how to ollie on the skateboard or. That's right. Yeah. Um, I'd gotten like my first skateboard when I was in elementary school. And so mm -hmm. I, I could do like ollies and um, more basic tricks like that. But to this day, I'm, I really haven't improved that much. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, same. <laughs> um, I can do some basic stuff on a skateboard and that that's what came first. And uh, so you already knew how it would work on a fingerboard, but you just couldn't figure it out on your own or right yeah like I didn't think our fingers could do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah sadly I don't remember when I saw someone do a trick on a fingerboard for the first time just just remember starting it and trying things but yeah um so uh that must have been roughly of around 2009 ish right um, I think that was in 2008. Oh, yeah. Um, do you remember when you, uh, you made the first step up, uh, as far as setups go? Like, when did you go from tech deck to a step above? Um, the first wooden fingerboard I ever got was from this, this company called Z Shred. Um, I got just the deck and then just used my tech deck trucks and wheels. Um, and that was also the first time I tried foam tape. Mm. Um, and as soon as I got that board, I, 
I was obsessed with uh, figuring out the, like what the best setup would be. Because before that, it was just only focused on the tricks. Mm-hmm. And that just like opened the door to um, the, the product side of things. And I thought it was just so interesting. And do you remember when you had your first like complete, uh, let's say, pro fingerboard? I do. It was shortly after I got that first Z shred board. Um, I signed a contract. This sounds so funny. I like drew up a contract just on a piece of paper saying that um, if I got all A's for the rest of the school year, my parents would buy me the complete that like we agreed to. Um, <laughs> and I was like so motivated because my parents would like never, um, they'd never done anything like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the Berlinwood new mold, the Elias edition when that first came out. Um, mm-hmm. Flat face G7.1 A's when those first came out. And I think at that point, Black River trucks hadn't come out yet. So it was still just like tech deck wide trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was so, I was so obsessed with that board because, because it was the same setup that Mike used in his um, fingerboard weekly full part video. If you remember that video. Yeah, it wasn't really around at that time. So a lot of that I only know from hearing about it later on. Like when that video came out, um, everyone was just obsessed with um, not only like the camera quality and all that, but this board, it was just those uh, teal G7.1A wheels on that board specifically. It's just like an iconic combination. And so, oh my God, I was so obsessed with that board. (laughs) (laughs) So Mike was basically your hero back then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> to say, but yeah, he was like the, the Tony Hawk of fingerboarding. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, th- I think that's a, that's an apt comparison. And do you still have, uh, any of those two decks? Um, unfortunately, no. Well, no, I have the Z shred, but I don't have the, the Berlin wood. My dog chewed it up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I hope. I, had I only, I only heard that about homework before. <laughs> I think I have a picture of it somewhere. Um, I was so I was so upset. <laughs> I mean, I got yeah. I got scammed for the wheels. I was doing a trade with someone on YouTube, and she scammed me. Oh. Yeah, kind of a bummer, but it happens. Yeah, I I remember doing quite a few trades over the internet back then but i i was always lucky but i also only traded in the in the fingerboard de forum back then mm. so it was i f- i think like quite a small community and everyone kind of knew each other yeah yeah but yeah it sucks when that happens yeah and when was the first or when did you first start creating decks on your own was it that and or and why did you start to make decks on your own? Was it more that you were looking for the perfect deck to fit your style, or was it more that you wanted to figure out how it uh, how it works, or yeah, um, how did started, that come it, about? It started that um, I just like doing like DIY things, and so before I even got the um, Z shred, the the first wooden board that I ever got. I would make um, I would make fingerboards out of index cards. Uh, there's a tutorial on YouTube, um, and I would just like cut out the the pieces of index card, glue it with just like Elmer's glue, and then paint it with fingernail polish and glue the trucks on. And they kind of sucked, but <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, they were they were pretty bad, but it was better than. Um, well, no, it wasn't even better than a tech deck. I just enjoyed making it. Um, but then I was like, you know what? I should try making one out of wood. Um, 
and the first wooden board I ever made was literally carved out of a solid piece of wood with the Dremel tool. And oh my God, it was so bad. Okay. <laughs> and then and then my mom was like, okay, so now you never have to buy another one again. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. Um, but yeah, I it started as I was just super curious about like figuring out how to do it. And then over time, it sort of morphed into um, how good can I make this and how um, how much can I have it fit my personal preference. Um, so I've really been making fingerboards for as long as I've been fingerboarding, which is at this point a long time. That's crazy. And when did you first start selling them to other people? Like when... Were they at a point where you were like, okay, now I can sell them to others? Or was it that people bucked you all the time? Or, yeah. Um, it started like on the forums. I would like post pictures of my homemade boards and like in the setup threads and all that. Um, and I would just say like a uh, homemade board. And then eventually people started like asking to buy them. And I sold a couple. Um, like without a brand, a brand name on them. And then I realized like after seeing them post it that um, I should at least come up with a name. Mm. Um, and at that point they were all one of a kind. So that's where the name unique comes from. Not super original, but <laughs> at that point I didn't think it really mattered because it was just like mm. a few boards. And then um Even at that point, I, I didn't think they were that great, but I I enjoyed making them and I'm, I like making split plies and um, that was mostly all I did. And then, yeah, I eventually started making them better. <laughs> and I assume back then everything was still 29 millimeter? Roughly. I, I was making some that were maybe 30, mm -hmm. but not, not super wide. Not like today, that's for sure. Yeah. So you were basically starting the trend to make wider boards a bit early. <laughs> yeah, a little bit early. That was, I think I started selling homemade boards in like 2010. And then in 2011 is when I came up with the unique brand name. Um, so around that time. Cool. And uh, do you do most of your graphics? Like if we skip for to today, do you do most of your graphics yourself, or do you have artists who create them, or how do you how do you get graphics? Because I think that's a question a lot of people ask once they figure it out how to make a board. Um, I make probably 95% of my graphics. Um, if I don't, I make sure I tell people that. Um, mm -hmm. But so most of the graphics I either design in Photoshop or um, I have this app on my iPad called Procreate where I do mm -hmm. my illustrations and all that and then um, adjust it on the computer to, to perfectly fit the graphic. but. Um, most of it is done um, by me, which has also been a learning curve because the graphics that I'm doing now, I feel like are a lot more true to like um, what I actually like than mm. graphics that I did um, like several years ago. Because when I first started doing graphics, it was more like what people wanted me to do and not um, what I actually wanted to make. And also I, my, um, artistic skills, I think have improved quite, quite a bit. So that makes it easier. Yeah. That, that was something I, I was meaning to ask if you started illustration and art before you made fingerboards. So if that was born out of necessity. Um, I feel like the illustration part was out of necessity, but um, I was super into um, Photoshop and like graphic design when I was in high school. I took a bunch of classes for that. Um, 
and that I think that really helped me but um more the the visual style I had to I had to develop that over time and figure out like what I actually um wanted to represent so yeah it's kind of a combination of both but mostly from necessity Mm -hmm. and uh let's continue on the deck making subject for a bit um what do you think about a lot of a lot of like deck companies popping up over time because i assume back then you had to come up with your own mold or how did you get a mold uh yes yeah. so the first boards i sold was with a um a mold that i made myself um mm -hmm. and that took quite a bit of um figuring out i would say because there wasn't like a tutorial saying how to make like a professional mold mm -hmm. um, where now like anyone can just go and buy like a professional mold designed by someone else to their specifications. Yeah. Um, so it seems like now this might be a controversial statement, but <laughs> uh, I think companies are a little bit easier to start now because mm -hmm. you essentially get everything you need um, without really figuring too much out yourself besides um, like the craftsmanship and that sort of thing, but all of the yeah. um, supplies and materials are pretty readily available. Um, so yeah, I, yep. I, I think one of the biggest, um, hurdles now for brands is finding a way to like set yourself apart because it's so easy to start a company now. Um, mm -hmm. Where when I started, one of the biggest hurdles was making a good board. And then the, the branding kind of came after that. Now I think branding is super, super important in order to um, be successful. Yeah, ab absolutely. I also think like just observing it from uh, from the outside, I think that It also has to do with a lot of tools becoming much easier available. Things like laser cutters, 3D printers, even like just basic wood tools, routers, things like that. Gotten so much more, yeah, just easier to, to get to and get your hands on. So I think because of that and because of people telling exactly how you or what you need to do to make a board, Because of that, it's so much easier to make a board. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I think the the branding, like you said, is the absolute most important thing. Because I assume like when I when I buy a board from, let's say, the Azi Berlin shop or uh, uh, from uh, from Kata, mm -hmm. then I, I pretty much assume that those boards are are well made. Like I don't assume to get something where all the edges are rough or the shape is not symmetrical or things like that so yeah it's more about how you perceive the brand to be right and i i think branding is what gets your foot in the door with with a customer um, exactly but i still think that quality is um one of the most important things yes people need to want to buy your product But when they when they get it, they need to be super happy with the way it performs and the way it looks and just how it feels, everything. Um, so I, d I don't know if I want to say that branding is the only it's, it's definitely not the only important thing, but it's it's how you're going to get people to recognize you. Absolutely. Like uh, in the last or in a few episodes ago, I talked to Losh from Flint. And I think Flint is basically the prime example. It gets a lot of attention because of the graphics and because the branding and everything around Flint. Mm -hmm. But when you get your hands on a Flint, you usually can expect a very high quality. And that's why people come back to it, like right. in my opinion. And I think things like that are why a lot of companies don't really make it that far off the ground because they don't get people to buy their things in the first place and then they 
don't get them to buy something again. Right. Yeah, you need to um, repeat customers. That's how they'll stay around. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I always say that uh, to me, uh, I like a board company when the second board I buy from them is great. Because one good board you get from a lot of companies, mm -hmm. but when the second one is pretty much exactly what you wanted and just a fresh copy of the old one, then that's a company I I like. Right, and that's where the, the consistency is so important. Um, yeah. That's something that a lot of companies struggle with when they're first getting started is having every board be the same so that, mm. so that people know what to expect when they buy from you. Um, in my opinion, I think that you shouldn't change things up too much because with like the, the way you cut the board or the way you sand or anything like that, because mm. if people were accustomed to the way you were originally doing it and they want another one, they can't get it. Um, exactly. It's going to be a totally different experience for them. Yeah. And for me, like when something like that happens, it pretty much feels like a different board. Like, it could could as well be a different company right because when i found a board that i liked and i just want to get a new one because the pop has faded or something happened to the board and it then feels completely different and i'm like yeah it's not what i wanted right um yeah one thing i wanted to ask you about is basically repeat customers because i think in uh, the, a lot of the fingerboard let, let's call it economy, relies on people to buy more than they actually need. I think I'm a very good example for that. <laughs> I have, I don't know how many decks. I have, I think, 12 setups at the moment. Oh, and <laughs> yeah, 10 of them are BOTs. It's a bit overkill. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I basically see a board that I like or see a brand that I want to support and I buy something. I went like I'm way beyond the point where I actually need stuff. I may need, I'm more interested, like at this point, I'm more interested in like finding, finding a new shape that I like, finding a new material for wheels that I like, finding bushings that are a bit more on, on the side where I like them to be, or that match specific setups and mm -hmm. more along that side. Um, but I also think that a lot of fingerboarding community uh, consists of kids who aren't in, on, in that place yet, who can like afford one board and then they ride that to death. Mm -hmm. do, you ha do you have a lot of uh, customers who buy decks all the time or do you see more the, let's just call them kids who buy one setup and then just be good for a while? Um, I think it's a good combination of both. Um, I get a lot of uh, repeat customers. Each each sale I have is probably about 20% repeat customers. And there there's certain people that every time I release something, they'll, they'll buy, um, which is like the biggest compliment ever to just have people... Um, support literally everything that I do like that. Um, mm -hmm. That's definitely like not the majority. Um, most people buy um, just one board, um, maybe a couple in the year. But um, I think a lot of it is like you were saying, um, kids just getting one complete and being happy with that until it breaks or um, maybe they fall off of fingerboarding when their friends don't fingerboard anymore but there's always um a constant stream of those those new kids um learning about fingerboarding and getting excited about it um, mm. and so it's it's always finding that balance between um appealing to those new people and then also um uh really uh appreciating the support of the the super die hard um i would call them collectors um, mm. who just are obsessed with um 
new graphics and new technologies and all of that. Um, but the, the, the more beginner kids, um, I don't think care so much about specifics. They, if there's a graphic that, that they like, then that's what they care about. So it's, yeah, it's definitely finding a way to balance both of those. And with graphics, uh, do you, let's say, repeat graphics or do you pretty much do one graphic for one stock and then that graphic disappears? Um, I usually have at least one restock of every graphic. Um, it depends on how popular the graphic is. Um, most, most graphics... Um, Once I sell all of them, I don't get um, another order. Um, mm. I mean, I don't like reorder that graphic. But if it's like mm. one of the classic unique graphics, like there's there's a few that I would consider like a classic unique graphic. Um, yeah, a couple come to my mind at least. Yeah, like those I I think I'll always have. And mm. Over time, I'll I'll probably add um, more to that classic category just depending on how how well people like them um but it also like has to do with my opinion of the graphic like even if it's really popular if it's not like one of my favorites i don't want to um <laughs> i don't want to make a ton of them so yeah it's more how i feel in combination with how much other people like it <laughs> yeah has there ever been a situation where you looked at an old graphic and were embarrassed that you did something like that like where you, someone posted a picture of a setup and you were like ah oh, damn i did that graphic I, i don't know if embarrassed is the right word but um in the past i've done like quite a few um like spoof graphics like i had the ninja turtle graphics which people love and Mm, yeah, I know that one. In the Patagonia uh, logos, it looks like um, mm. mountains and sunset yeah. and all that. People, really I actually like, like that one. <laughs> I like it too, but I feel like, I don't know, I kind of want to move past doing uh, spoofs of other people's designs. I don't feel like it's the best um, yeah. creative yeah. work. It, it's, it's not that I'm embarrassed by it. I just think that... Um, I I want to move past that type of um, design. If that mm. Yeah, it, it does. And I think like spoofs are a bit overdone, but I mean, it makes sense since they are also overdone in skateboarding. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it makes sense since we emulate a lot of skateboarding. Um, and I think a certain type of spoofs we don't need any more of like i don't i don't need to see another yeah like a a baker or a chet maska or yeah there's some some skate graphics that i don't want to see or, versions or, for fingerboard anymore yeah 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 um let's uh talk about another which i think is an important part about uh you and uh, unique um your presence on youtube because i think you've been on youtube quite a while correct correct yep i haven't uploaded for a while now a couple months but um just because i've been so busy getting ready for the holidays um, mm. but earlier this summer i was really focused on um putting out a video every week and i really enjoyed doing that yeah I watched a lot of those, I think, or I mean, general, generally watched a lot of your videos. Um, when did you get onto YouTube? Um, for fingerboarding, I think it was 2010, maybe, maybe 2009. I, I'm not sure exactly. Um, and I was just making videos with my little point and shoot camera. Um, mm. And... I got really obsessed with um, filming and it made me think I wanted to go into film school uh, for college. And I actually tried that. And then I realized uh, I don't want to work in the film industry, but I still really enjoy making videos. Um, but yeah, I, I just found it really fun. And I think that's one of the things that I 
I love about fingerboarding is it's just exposed me to so many different things that if it weren't for fingerboarding, I wouldn't have ever tried. Um, yes. It's just, I can't think of a better, a better hobby. I mean, I, I have way too many hobbies. So yeah, I, I do have hobbies where I learned more from, but yeah, I learned so much from fingerboarding and met so many people and traveled like at least in Europe uh, mm-hmm. a bit around and yeah um with YouTube uh, something that always comes to my mind um there are quite a few let's say let's say bigger names on YouTube for fingerboarding um do you feel like there's a community of of content creators uh, for fingerboarding on YouTube like do you talk to each other or do you feel like you're part of the YouTube fingerboard community or is it more like you're part of the deck maker community or fingerboarding as a general um I don't know I feel like when I first started making YouTube videos there was a lot more um, fingerboarders on YouTube like a lot more people making videos where recently it's been um like you said just some some bigger names Um, Mm. and I do talk to them but I'm not sure if I would I'm not sure if I feel like I'm in the same uh community as them on on YouTube Um, Mm. I feel like I'm more in the deck making um universe and like people who know me from like being on flat face or um, my own fingerboarding, not so much as like a personality, but um, mm. just like know know who I am. Um, but maybe one day my channel will grow so that I have a a bigger audience on there. But that's not really um, that's not really the goal. I just, I'm I'm just mm. going on there to sort of show um, my perspective and how much I love fingerboarding. <laughs> Yeah, and and I think that's the the most important part of, about this hobby because, like, even if you make money through fingerboarding, I don't think it should ever be the overwhelming factor why you do something in fingerboarding. Right. It's way too small for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, if you want, if you really want to make money doing something, I don't know if fingerboarding is the right. Um... <laughs> yeah the right thing for you just because it is so small yes and i also think like something i touched on earlier the the reason that uh, or the part that fingerboard decks don't wear out as fast as let's say skate decks Mm -hmm. because we don't put as much pressure on the board as a person standing on one so the pop lasts much longer until the deck is through so like the actual need of replacing a board and like even breaking a board i think is much more prevalent in skateboarding i think that's true too the only time you really break a board in fingerboarding is if you like step on it step on it or yeah on it or something like yeah that. Or, yeah like have it fall out like into an abyss way then uh, can't get to or mm-hmm. a friend of mine accidentally had his uh, in his pockets when he threw his trousers into a washing machine <laughs> i think it's, it was his hoodie so after after that it was pretty much waterlocked yeah. but yeah i think those are the only times you or one of the few times where you need to replace a board right. um uh how often do you replace your own boards like for your personal riding are you someone who sticks with one board for ages or do you try out new stuff all the time? Um, I almost always have like a newer board set up, but it's not always my, my main setup. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just about always have a main setup. That's um, a unique nesting 32.5. That's like the perfect shape, the perfect size, everything for me. Um, so that's usually my main and then when I really love a board, um, I'll have it set up for usually at least six months or so when it really feels nice. Um, mm. And then 
like if I'm going to rendezvous or something like that, I'll usually um, maybe set up a new board when I get home from that because the board just gets so trashed. Um, yeah. But other than that, I, I use boards for quite a while if I'm like really enjoying it. Um, but I, I always have multiple setups and, um, yeah, trying different things out, but my, my mains are pretty, um, pretty consistent. Mm. Yeah. I think pretty much depending on how you ride three to six months seems like the, the sweet spot for a deck to feel perfect. And after that, depending how hard you ride or how much you ride, a deck can lose pop, but some decks just never lose pop like it all depends um yeah let's uh let's talk about uh rendezvous and uh, things like that um you've been going to rendezvous for quite a while it seems yeah i think my first rendezvous was in 2012 i'm not sure what number it was maybe i think it was rendezvous 12 mm-hmm I think I'd have to check, but yeah, early one. I don't even know what number we're at now. Yeah, 30 something, 30, I think above 35, but. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so someday I uh, need to make the trip. You should. I mean, once the world opens up again. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it'll probably be like 2022. Yeah, I, I I doubt that anything big will happen in the next year. Like, yeah. I talked to a friend, uh, a good friend of mine, about other hobbies we have today because a lot of those have been cancelled, mm -hmm. a lot of those events. So we talked about if those events would would be would happen again next year, and we we're both like, yeah, probably not, and probably a lot of them will will be bankrupt in like two years because they live from that. Um, yeah, but the whole the whole event thing is some something, I don't know how it is in the States, but I feel in Europe it shrunk quite a bit in the past few years. Like there's been less and less events happening. Uh, do, you, do you feel the same in, in the States or uh, would you say it's more the opposite? No, it's hard to tell. Recently, I feel like it's maybe gotten a little bit smaller, but the past couple years, um, I think has been uh, pretty good for fingerboarding here in the U.S., especially on the West Coast, um, California specifically. But there's quite a few people mm -hmm. in Oregon who fingerboard too, um, and up in Washington, like right north of us here. Um, where, where are you? Uh roughly in the states my geography isn't that great uh, i live in portland oregon which is right between, uh, uh, yeah yeah right yeah for some reason yeah i i should have known that i just blanked yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think uh in in california there's it seems like there's a vibrant uh, fingerboard scene going on with several people ho hosting consistent events mm -hmm or at least before everything went to shits. But yeah, here in Germany, we don't really have that many regular events. Like, we maybe have three events that happen each year, and those aren't big. And even the really big ones don't happen every year yeah. anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, feel, I feel like there's a difference where in uh, Europe, all of the events seem more um, maybe professional is the the correct word. I've never been, but that's what it seems like from, from the outside. Um, where here, it seems like a lot of the events are more just like casual and come and hang out. And, um, like mm -hmm. Them are like at people's houses and I don't really see that happening in, in Europe. Yeah, not really. Like, yeah, we like pretty much every every event we do uh, is connected to a contest. That's just how it's been. Like, it's been that way when I started in two thousand one. Like, it's always been if event means contest, and there's been like 
a movement of doing something a bit more relaxed, more akin to uh, to rendezvous. Mm -hmm. And we were we we planned to do something this year. Maybe we'll get to do it next year because uh, I also have a because uh, I I was talking about doing some event with some friends and yeah the the biggest problem is always how do i get a location because here in germany that is like the biggest hurdle and i have connections to someone who has a location that would be suitable so we hope that we can do something there but yeah i don't i don't know when and we also were talking about doing something uh akin to uh, the Weißwurst is jam if you uh, know that one, the one from Munich. I don't think I do. Yeah, it's the one uh, Martin Winkler organizes. He's been doing that for probably 20 years at, at, at this point. Wait, what's it called? And Weißwurst is jam or Weißwurst jam. Hmm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and... Yeah, maybe, maybe when you you see it spelled out, uh, maybe then. I don't think you hear too many Germans pronouncing it in German. I've never, um, yeah, I've never heard a German person say that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that one is just they meet at the Hofbräuhaus in Munich, eat there, and then they go through the city and go spot hunting the whole day. And like, it doesn't have an actual location. Oh, I think, I think just, I've seen videos from that. Yeah, it's uh, like I I assume that you have seen videos because a lot of the like there's a famous uh, a transition spot that where they go every year and a lot of I think even in the uh, in Pissing Fingers one I think they are at that spot I don't think they were there during the event but mm -hmm. yeah so we were talking about doing something like that in Berlin. Since we have to shop here, so doing an event that's like in a specific location doesn't really do that much since we have a location where there are fingerboard parks all the time. Right. So, yeah, we're thinking about doing doing something where we go through the city and hit up specific outdoor spots. Um, have you ever done your own event? I have. I did... Um a pop-up in a contest at my school um last year and that was a that went pretty well and so I had plans to do something similar this year but then all the uh COVID stuff happened and um mm. wasn't able to do that but yeah uh, I want to do a lot more events and one day I'd love to do like a whole west coast tour um Go down the whole west coast of the United States, go to all the big cities. Um, yeah, that that sounds pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I I love having events, um, and it's great seeing local people and seeing people like yes. friends with each other. It's oh my god, it's like the best thing about fingerboarding. Yes, after a while, it like. You see the same faces over and over, and even if you don't remember all the names, you like their family. Like right. it's yeah. It's funny sometimes, um, just like walking around Portland or even in my neighborhood, like I'll bump into like some fingerboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I love it. Yeah, I I love it too. Like especially here in Berlin, we we have a very vibrant uh, fingerboard community with a lot of uh, let's say shop regulars who at some point all become friends like we're we don't even meet at the shop anymore like we hang out yeah basically whenever it's possible mm -hmm. and i think those are the the kinds of things that make fingerboarding so fun that it's in the end it's just like people from all walks of life falling in love with something that doesn't really matter to anyone but us. Like, Yeah, it's just like an instant connection with anyone. It's the same yeah. thing like going to rendezvous. Like you can sit there and talk to anybody for like an hour. And yes. It's, I've never experienced anything quite like it. 
Yeah, when when I was at the last uh, Fast Fingers and uh, was uh, leaping at the Steig, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think it was the day after the event, like there weren't that many people sleeping at, at the Steig, but still a few. And I usually, like I'm, I don't wake up super early, but when I'm with a bunch of people, I'm usually one of the ones who wakes up first. Mm-hmm. Because I only need like six hours of sleep or something like that. So, yeah, it was uh, I woke up and there were only uh, Losh and Ricardo awake, and I, I obviously knew who they were, but I never talked to them before. And just sitting with them outside in the morning after the event, talking about them, like it didn't feel like I didn't know them before, like. Right. You just start talking about fingerboarding and about f- things that you like and, yeah, cool shit that people do. And, yeah, you you tend to forget that you don't actually know them. Mm-hmm. And and when you do, like, see those people again, it's like a, a reunion. You get so... Absolutely. <laughs> like, when... Uh, I think that was the main reason that I decided to go to uh, Pateo in that year. And it was one of the best events I've been to because it felt like the whole thing was a family affair. Like, and I, uh, one thing I also really like about fingerboarding, I think that's more more of an of a thing in in Europe rather than the States. But when I I'm at a big event and someone is standing at a table, I don't really need to speak the language they speak to be able to play a game of skate with them. And that's something I really enjoy. Like just, or don't even have to, has to be a game of skate. Like just standing with someone at a spot, celebrating your close calls and your makes. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't even matter that you don't speak the same language or don't know each other's names. It's a magical thing. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think I'm going to uh, uh, to shoot a couple of uh, rapid fire questions towards you now. Okay. Um, so try to answer them as brief as possible. But if you uh, spend a bit on one question, doesn't matter too much. Yeah. But yeah, the idea is to not take too much time with each question. So, uh, what's your favorite wheel? Uh, flat face, uh, either Black River edition. Or uh, G4s. I also like the J material a lot. So anyway. I like them a lot as well. Uh, favorite deck and shape? Uh, unique nesting 32.5. Now I'm going to interrupt the rapid fire question. I forgot that question earlier. Why are your shapes called nestling and hatchling? Or nest? Yeah. Uh, there's hatchling nestling and juvie and they're all um <laughs> this is funny they're all life stages of the turtle because i don't i i don't really talk about turtles too much anymore but um <laughs> turtles used to be like the the brand animal because i love turtles so kind of just the turtle thing but we kept the names <laughs> nice um what's your favorite trick to do in flat uh kickflip and your favorite trick to do on an obstacle? Mm, I like kickflip back smiths a lot, or kickflip back tail. And both are very good ones and hard ones. Um, what's your favorite song right now? Oh gosh, um, I really like. There's uh, her name is Phoebe Bridgers and Maggie Rogers. They both did a cover together of the song Iris. It's really good. Can't say I heard of that. Maybe I'll check it out later. Give it a listen. Um, Do you prefer outdoor or indoor fingerboarding? Indoor. Um, What's your favorite obstacle? Um, Probably just like a a simple ledge. I have a concrete ledge that I made or... um, for a long time, I loved the Black River brick box. Mm. 
Yet a simple obstacles you can get a huge mileage out of. Mm -hmm. Um, concrete or wood ramps? Uh, right now I gotta say concrete. I love concrete. Switch regular nolly or fakie? Mm, I like nolly a lot, but um, I mean regular is easiest. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you have hobbies outside of fingerboarding? I do. Um, I'm into photography. Um, I do a lot of things with my dog. So we go hiking and camping and uh, stuff like that. Uh, I do art for like not unique. Like I draw in my sketchbook and uh, stuff like that. Um, I so art that's not unique. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I read a lot, too. Um, I watch a lot of uh, TV shows. What genre do you prefer uh, in books? Um, I read a lot of uh, nonfiction, and then I also read... Um, well, just, just like literary fiction in, in general. Um, mm -hmm. Like things that win awards and... Um, yeah. I recently just started reading um, Barack Obama's book that he just... Uh, ah, yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. Uh, do you have a favorite fingerboard video? Hmm, that's a hard one. Uh, maybe like some of the classic um, Herrix videos, like um, Elias at the Herrix 2012. Yeah, that that's something I that came up quite a bit in doing the, these interviews. <laughs> I miss those videos so much. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a shame that Harry stepped away from doing doing videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Do you prefer a flat ground with an obstacle or a park? Um. If I had space to have a park set up in my apartment, I would pick that, but I don't have the space. Um, I love a park, but it gets, uh, after a while, you get kind of bored of it. So I like an obstacle because you can put it up, but I guess that's not really an answer. I like both. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm currently redoing my, my personal park to have a big section where it's just empty so I can put an obstacle there. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, you, you need that. Um, if you could get one Black River Park for yourself, which one would it be? Um, maybe the G8 Park in the left-handed version. Um, someone in California has that, and it's so much fun. I love the, the wave section. There's there's a right-handed and a left-handed version yeah, of that part. The left-handed version is just like mirror image of the mm -hmm. right-handed version, and so I'm left-handed. So most parts there's um, only like a couple spots that I can hit um, regular. Uh, mm -hmm. Others are switch. Yeah. So I wish that was something that um, Black River thought about a little bit more when designing parks is having it be good for both left-handed yeah. people. Yeah, I think the, uh, the G8 is a very good park overall. And and I also like it uh, switch and regular for me. So, yeah, it's a nice park overall. Um, heel flip or kick flip? Recently, heel flips. I've been loving heel flips recently. Um, who's your favorite fingerboarder? That's a tough one. Um, probably my friend Alex. He's on. He's on the unique team. He's so good. Uh, what's his Instagram handle, or does he have one? Um, he changes it all the time. Let me see. His Instagram is Drinkball. Don't think I I heard of him. Check him out. He's oh. he's really good. Oh yeah, yeah. He followed me, but I didn't follow him. Yeah. That's fixed now. <laughs> um, 
do you prefer homemade or bought ramps? Um, I make a lot of ramps. I also make parks too. So I would, mm. I would say that just because almost anything that, especially like wood yeah. ramps, I don't really buy wood ramps anymore. Um, yeah, yeah, same. But like uh, my friend Ricky, who owns Good Evening Concrete, he does like really awesome concrete obstacles. And that's something mm -hmm. I think is definitely worth the money. Yeah, they, they look great. I haven't tried them yet, but they look great. Uh, do you prefer loose tight or medium trucks? Um, medium. Not like super loose, but it's like wobbly. But um, mm. you definitely want to feel feel yourself turn. Yeah. Lock in, um, crook and everything. Yeah. What was your last personal NBD? Like the last trick you landed where you were like, that's a cool one. <laughs> um, recently, I learned um, Molly inward heel um, revert, like frontside revert. Mm -hmm. That one feels nice. Yeah, I can't do Nolly inward heel. Like that is like the last trick that I'm completely far away from. I still feel the um, same way about. Um, about nolly hard flips for some reason i I, do it. I, I, I kind of like them but i never do them in a game of skate because they it's so hard to tell if they are proper hard flips or shoves so right. i just rather not do it in a, in a game of skate out, yeah <laughs> um speaking of game of skate uh what's your most hated trick in a game of skate to do after the opponent said that one um, Nolly hard flip. <laughs> um, uh, plastic or urethane wheels? Plastic. Uh, what's your favorite drink? Uh, coffee in the morning and beer in the evening. That's something I can get along with. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, do you have any sponsors and who are they? Uh, yeah, I'm sponsored by Flatface, and that's it, and myself, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any dream sponsors? Um, I used to really want to be on Black River, but now I don't know if I care. Um, I don't really yeah, care. same. At this point, I don't really care about sponsors. It's more just about um, making friends and... Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite Instagram follow? Um, like an account you, you're following that you enjoy seeing content of? Personally or for finger wording? Uh, either way. I will say I love seeing a fingerboard meme, but they don't post really. So, um, I like I like seeing clips from my team. I love seeing when people are doing new stuff. Yeah, I can imagine that. That feels cool. Mm -hmm. Um, what's your favorite overall company other than your own? Um, I really like what my friend Vlad is doing with Catfish. Um. He does oh, yeah. stuff um, by hand now. Like he, he does everything. And um, he's doing clothing, and I think it's really cool. He's got some cool stuff coming for the holidays. Yeah, yeah. The, Catfish uh, started doing really cool, cool things when they switched. I, I think stances or yeah, however you want to call it. But yeah, there was definitely a change with with them. Right. So uh, yeah, that is or would be the end uh, of the uh, of the interview. At least that's all that I got. Uh, do you have anything that uh, you want to shout out into the world, or anything you want to talk about before we close? Um. Well, as of right now, it's the Sunday before 
my big holiday sale, which is going live on Wednesday. Um, not sure when this podcast is coming out, but it it, it will come up uh, come out next Sunday, so in a week. Okay, perfect. Um, so I'll probably still have um, a bunch of new graphics available on the website, which uh, my website is uniquedex.co. Um, gonna have some sales going on, some cheaper decks, um, and some other um, some other cool offers. So check it out. I have. Um, all new graphics coming out. Nice. Um, I'm looking forward to looking at them. Thank you. Yeah, I'm. I'm super excited about uh, the stuff coming out. I I worked really hard on making sure everything was exactly how I wanted. Um, and yeah, it's with a a new heat transfer technology too. So oh, nice. That's super exciting. Okay, so thank you so much for taking the time. And yeah, I I had fun. And yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, this was great. Thanks for having me. So yeah, you will hear from me in the next episode. Bye.